Psalm 23. By now, it ought to be worn out a little bit. We've looked at it. Uh, this will be five weeks that we've uh, looked at it in recent months. Where David, the psalmist, who grew up as a shepherd, a lowly shepherd, became the greatest king that Israel in Israel's history. And he penned these words, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then in verse 6, he concludes, Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have a theory about the 23rd Psalm, and really, it, I think it applies to a lot of the Psalms, but particularly to the 23rd Psalm. And that is why we love it so, why we're so drawn to it, why it means so much to us. And, and it's not just because we, we learn it from the time that we're uh, in the cradle roll. Uh, you know, we do. We learn it from a very young age. Uh, most of us learned it a long, long time ago. But it, you can see, it's almost as if you can see into David's heart and, and just see the, the joy and the peace and the comfort and the assurance and the, the confidence that, uh, that really everybody's looking for in life. David is saying in the 23rd Psalm, I found it in the Lord who deals with me on a you know day in, day out, and he's going to continue for all eternity. He deals with me like a shepherd deals with his flock so lovingly and so kindly. And he says, I have all the confidence in the world in verse 6 that this is going to continue from here to eternity. Now, in this life, and forever and ever and ever. I want us to look at this, at this single verse, verse 6, this morning. And I want us to notice, uh, first of all, uh, actually a number of things. It's just one point, but we're going to break it in into, uh, and point out a number of things about it. And that is that the Lord really, 
really wants to bless you with what we sang about just a moment ago, goodness and kindness always. David says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Now, I want to unpack that, uh, the, the, the points that, I, that are in that, that first point. And I want us to look first at that word goodness, goodness, which I think refers to the quality of what God wants to bless us with. Uh, goodness, it is good. I don't know if you've noticed, but just about every time that we receive something, any time that uh, something happens to us in life, we tend to put it in categories, either good or bad. Uh, for example, allergies uh, in the springtime. That's bad, right? Decongestants and antihistamines. Well, that's good. Uh, how about sickness and injury? Okay, that's bad. How about good health? That's good. How about uh, a great job, a good job? Having a good job, that's good. How about losing uh, that same job? Well, that, that's bad. So we, we tend to categorize the things that happen to us, the things that we receive in life. Sometimes the judgments that we make about those things change with time. For example, that good job that we were talking about just a second ago, uh, when you lose it, uh, well, that's a bad thing, right? Until you find something better and you end up in a better place. And then you say, well, that, that thing that I thought was so good was really uh, wasn't all so good, uh, all that good in the first place. In fact, it may have been a really bad thing because of the toll that it was taking on me emotionally and spiritually. And, and so I needed to be at a better place. I needed another job. So your judgment about that thing changed. What about ended up uh, an injury that lands you in the hospital? I can't tell you how many people through the years I've I've run across who who have told me they they find themselves unexpectedly flat on their back, and later on it's usually later on they say, you know that was a good thing because I needed. I needed to be knocked flat on my back to get my life in proper perspective, to, to, uh, to look up like I, like I wasn't at that particular time. And we can go on and on and on and on. Sometimes uh, our judgments about things change. Sometimes what we think about things, uh, our judgments about those things don't, don't change, and they're never going to change. And uh, it's not just us who thinks they're bad. Everybody thinks that way. God thinks that way. He's never going to say that it's a good thing. But God 
is able to take even those bad things that will always be bad and turn them or add them all together with all the other bad things and everything else that happens to you in life. And it, the sum of it all is it is good. We know that because of what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28. Turn with me there. I'm going to try to do it with one hand here. Romans 8, verse 28. And you'll see it there on the screen. I may need to look at it on the screen. Here we go. Paul said, and we know that God causes all things to work together, to add up, to, he puts them all together for good, good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is important because in the very next verse, we usually stop there, but in the very next verse, he tells us what that good is, the greatest good that can happen in the life of any child of God. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Most of you know Kathy. Kathy, wave at us. You all know Kathy? Isn't she a sweetie? Uh, what a blessing she is. She's a wonderful mother and grandmother who's, who, who is waiting for a phone call, and she's going to get up and leave if that grand, uh, grandbaby number six arrives on its due date, which is today. She's a wonderful mother and grandmother, a terrific teacher, a great choir member. But you may not know this about her. She's also a great cook. She's an amazing cook. And I should know because I'm not too shabby myself. Uh, since I retired a couple of years, years ago, I've been doing more cooking. She didn't let me do too much, you know. It's, it's, uh, but she lets me do a little bit more. And... You know, I'm able to, you give me a recipe, a clearly spelled out recipe uh, where every step is clearly uh, written down. I can follow those recipes. And you tell me exactly how much of this to put in and exactly how much of this and exactly what temperature to put the oven on and and uh, how long to keep it in there and all that. You spell it all out for me, and I'm, I'm okay. Don't give me any, you know, just a little splash of this and a dash of that. And, you know, it's got to be exact. It's got to be teaspoons and, and cups and things that I can measure. But Kathy, Kathy, it's amazing. She can come home after working hard all day with, you know, 20-some-odd kids and, you know, my mind would be fried. She can come home and march in the door and put down her purse and then go, uh, go into the kitchen without a cookbook or any kind of measuring device at all and just start taking stuff out of the cupboards and just start putting it all together and, and voila, it's always good. Well, God, is like that with our lives. And he is able to take everything that happens to us, 
all the the good and the bad and the indifferent stuff that happens to us and and determine just how much of everything that we need and just how much of everything that we can take and mix it all together and it is always always good just like we sang about just a moment ago it's always good and it is always kind uh, as well. Now, here in this, uh, in Psalm 23, David says, he doesn't use the word mercy. You know, maybe he does in your translation, but most English translations that I looked at anyway doesn't use the word mercy. Uh, the New, New American Standard uses the word loving kindness, which is interesting because a lot of uh, translations say love and a lot of them say kindness. And some of them, uh, gracious love or uh, unfailing love or loyal love, but but rarely will you see, occasionally you'll see a mercy, which is, of course, what we're familiar with and what we think because that's the way we learned it. That's the way it ought to be, and that's the only right way to, to translate that. But actually, uh, well, my Hebrew professor in seminary said, in his opinion, and he was a whole lot smarter than I was, he said, I believe the best translation of that word would be kindness. And when you think of that word kindness as it relates uh, in comparison to mercy, well, it's it's bigger than mercy, isn't it? Uh, mercy is just one manifestation, one of many manifestations of kindness. But then those other translations that use love or 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 uh, kindness. Uh, as their preference, you know, the two really are related in that kindness is an expression of love. So, so the uh, goodness, which is uh, that first word, goodness refers to the gift, the quality of the gift. Kindness uh, speaks more to the giver and the character of the giver. And that, of course, is God, the good shepherd. What is his character? Well, First John chapter 4 and a couple of, couple of verses, a couple of times in that chapter, John says, God is love. And because God is love, I believe we can count on him to treat us with the very utmost of kindness, and that is always, he's always going to give us that which is good. In fact, he's always going to give us that which is best. And I think we see that in, in, uh, in Matthew, in the sermon, uh, the sermon on the Mount. Let me try to find that. Or you can flash it on the screen so I can read it. Where Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, remember what he said? 
Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. But then look at what he says. What man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll not give him a snake, will he? That just wouldn't make any sense because God, if you then being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Out of his kindness, he gives that which is good and always that which is best. Now, there's something else I want you to notice uh, about what David says here. And that is, the Lord not only wants to bless you with goodness and kindness, he really, he really, is eager to bless you with goodness and kindness. Now, if you look in my translation, New American Standard says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. A lot of translations say that. But one translation, uh, I think, says it best when it uses, instead of that word follow, it uses the word pursue. And there's a difference between following someone and pursuing them. Following is just following. You know, as they lead, you just walk, walk behind them. And you just, you just follow wherever they lead you and you just follow them around. And, but pursuing is different, isn't it? And, and since I, I have grandbabies on the brain right now, since that grandbaby is going to come today, it's got to before we leave for a vacation. But uh, I remember when little Jeremiah, our youngest uh, grandson, uh, we still got another, we got a granddaughter who's younger, but our youngest grandson, he's now, I don't know, he's almost five. So he's almost a kindergartner. But I, I remember when he was just learning how to walk. You remember that with your kids and grandkids? You know, they first, they, they, they stand up and they're just, they, you know, it's kind of like this, you know. But, but they get the hang of it and then they figure out that, they, they kind of figure out they can put one foot in front of the other and move closer towards some place, and, you know, before long, they're just all over the place. Well, pursuing, I think, looks like this. Pursuing looks like when my eyes meet Jeremiah's eyes uh, back, back uh, when he was first learning to walk. And he was standing there, and I'd, I'd look at him, and, and then I'd do the, I'm going to get you. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And he'd look at you and he'd just start giggling and he's just as fast as his little legs could take him. He just, he just uh, tried to stay away from me. And you chase him around the coffee table and it's all fun and it's just as cute as it can be until, he, you know, he falls and he cracks his head open on the corner of the, 
And then grandma comes in and gives you that grandma look. You all know what I'm talking about, guys. Um, that's what that's what it is with God's love. He wants to bless you with goodness and kindness, but he is determined to. He's going to chase you down if that's what it takes. He is he's pursuing you. He he is eager that you experience it. And isn't it crazy sometimes that we go running away from him and and we don't let him uh catch us sometimes. He really wants to bless you with kindness and goodness, and he doesn't want to just do it uh, every now and then. He wants to do it, what, what does David say here? All the days of my life. He wants to do it always, always. That means uh, the good days and the bad days. Those that are sunny and bright, and those that are dark and dreary, and w- when the storms are just howling so and, and just uh, tearing up everything inside, and you just want to crawl back into bed and pull the covers over your head, God wants to bless you with goodness and mercy. He is eager and uh, to that you experience it all the days of your life. Second thing I want you to notice here in this verse is that he promises you a forever home. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That reminds me of uh, something that Jesus said. How about you? He said before before he was crucified, before he uh, rose from the grave and ascended to glory, he said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. You, you can plug in mansions if you want to. That's, that's okay, because there are going to be mansions. Um, if it weren't so, I, I would have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You know the best thing about heaven? Uh, Is it the pearly gates and the streets of gold? That's going to be kind of neat. That'll be pretty spectacular. I'm looking forward to seeing those, those things. But the best thing about heaven is the one who's going to meet us there. And who's going to be there with us. And we're going to be in his presence forever and ever and ever. He is the one who makes it. He he doesn't just prepare a mansion or a house for us, a dwelling place for us. Uh, he, He is there. He makes it because he's there. He makes it a home. And we get to spend all eternity with him. Now, a couple of things I want you to notice about this. He says, uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word house uh, in the, the Hebrew that David wrote, when he used that word, it referred not only to the structure. I know that's what we normally think of. 
you know, just the building itself. But it, it all also refers to the occupants of the structure. And I, I was reminded of that yesterday during my, uh, is my daily devotional time as I read through the Old Testament. I got to, uh, Second Samuel chapter seven. That's where David, same King David, said, uh, okay, Lord, now I have this nice palace. Uh, Lord, I want to build a house for you. It's almost like the Lord laughed at him. Didn't say that, but I, I just can see the Lord laughing. He says, you want to make me a house? I've never even lived, I've, ne- I've never lived in tents or anything else. You can't build a house to contain me. He said, you want to build me a house? Let me tell you, David, I'm going to build your house. And he wasn't talking about any structure. He was talking about his family. I'm going to build your family, and it's going to culminate in in one person who's going to be king, but he's not going to just reign for a few years. He's going to reign forever and ever and ever. And guess who that king is? That, that's the good shepherd, uh, d- that descendant of David who is Jesus, the good shepherd. So uh, not only... Do we have a structure, a dwelling place, a mansion to look forward to? Uh, David, you know, they they say, you know, probably he didn't have the, well, I'm I'm sure he didn't have the understanding uh, of all that we do about heaven. And there's a lot that we don't know. I can only imagine. Any of us can only imagine. Well, he, he didn't even know as much as we did, but he did have a confidence that he was going to have plenty of company, and that is those who were of the flock of faith, and the flock of the good shepherd would be with him for all eternity. And then secondly, about this second part of the verse, I think we need to go back to the very first word, surely, surely. And that applies not just to the first part of the verse, but also to the second part. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And surely, surely, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He had a confidence that, an absolute confidence that um, based on all that he had experienced in this life, that's all he knew in his walk with the Good Shepherd. He hadn't experienced anything that hadn't happened yet, but based on all that he knew, God had never let him down. His Good Shepherd had never let him down. Surely, that's going to continue forever and ever and ever. Even after I stop breathing, it's going to continue forever and ever and ever. From here to eternity, now and forevermore, it's good. It's going to be good because of the way that he 
deals with us out of his love and kindness. If there's anyone who would testify to that, it would have been a an attorney back in 1873, an attorney in Chicago by the name of Horatio Spafford. He just received word that his four daughters in 1873, this is 1873, his four daughters had been killed in a tragic accident. They were on their way to a European vacation that he was supposed to be with his wife and his four daughters, uh, but he was detained. He had to take care of some things, so he said, uh, wife and four daughters, you go on ahead, and then I'll, I'll meet you there in a few days. I'll, we'll, we'll connect and uh, later. But on the way, across the Atlantic, the ship that his wife and four daughters were on collided with another ship, and it sunk. And very few survivors, only you know, his wife was one of very few survivors. Terrible, terrible tragedy. A few days later, he finally was able to make the trip himself in order to go and retrieve his wife. And about the time that he came upon the spot where that collision, that tragic collision had taken place, he penned these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, but also when sorrows, like sea billows, roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has considered my humble estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds shall be rolled back like a scroll. The Lord shall descend. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well. 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 It is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul? Can you sing, could you sing that this morning and really mean it? If you can't, because you've never taken, made the Lord
your shepherd. Uh, you can change that this morning. You can change that by giving up on the crazy idea that you can make the best of life on your own and it, it can be okay. Uh, it's not going to be okay without the Lord as your Lord and your Savior. And repent of your sins. Change your attitude about sin. Quit loving it. Start hating it. Turn away from it and turn to God, trusting in Him and what He did, what Jesus did when He died on the cross for our sins, taking upon Himself the punishment that we deserve so that if we would simply trust in Him to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, we could be brought alive spiritually with a life that makes this life uh, a whole lot better, full and meaningful and abundant, whatever comes our direction. But not only that, it lasts forever and ever and ever. Just a moment, Pastor Stephen's going to be down here to receive you. We want to give you an opportunity, if you've never made that decision, to make that decision. It's the only, only wise one to make. But it's one that many of you have already made. Reflecting on his goodness and his kindness in our lives. Doesn't it make sense to express our gratitude to him by giving our lives, committing our lives fully to following him all the days of our life? Let's pray together.